Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome to this week's show. I'm excited, as always, to be here with everybody because um, we're just going to be talking about some really powerful stuff today around the Internet of Things, AI, artificial intelligence, and privacy when it comes to Facebook, social networks, Amazon Echo, you know, the increasing number of smart connected devices and chatbots. There's so much that we're hearing every day now about cybersecurity and hacks. And, you know, this is a huge topic of mine being a a geek and having had a a tech company for 15 years. And I've got one of the top guys in the world who is going to be talking about this today. Um, He's been a guest on my show before, and I Thankfully, was able to get him to be on with us today, Ken Heron. He's the chief marketing officer for Singapore-based United Unified AI company, United, um, I cannot speak this morning, Unified Inbox. He was recently named one of 2018's 30 most creative corporate leaders to watch. He's a top-ranked global IoT and AI leader by um, more companies than I can count, and he's currently and I think he should be number one, but he's currently the number two chief marketing officer globally on Twitter. His handle is at Ken Heron. Karen, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here, Laura. Me too. I'm, I, you know, I always love our conversations because I have notes everywhere like, oh, wait, I need to do this. Oh, wait, I need to do this. Oh, I shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> and, Those are the ones you have to watch out for. Yeah. The shouldn't be doing thing. So I want to dive right in. I mean, you're international in terms of the work that you're doing and the companies you're dealing with, and there's so much going on right now. Let's start by talking about what's the elephant in the room, Facebook, and everything that's happening with it lately. Let's start there at the launching network. What do we need to be talking about? What does privacy even mean to us anymore? It has changed it used to be our personal information, your name, your financial details, your credit card information. Now, from a marketing perspective, and full confession, I am a marketing guy, uh, so this is important. This is how we reach our customers. It's now as much the behaviors you exhibit on Facebook as it is the actual information you have in your account. Okay, say that one more time, because I think it's really important for people to understand that distinction. So let's say that you visit certain websites, you talk about certain things, you like certain content on Facebook. By doing that, you are letting marketers know an incredible amount of information about who you are, what your beliefs are, and what your interests are. So it's not just, oh, this is my friend who put that post up and I, I want to let them know I'm listening to what they have to say. There's a lot more to that without realizing it. It's incredible that the more you use Facebook, the better they understand you to be able to profile you, whether it's into what we consider a traditional marketing demographic or one of the millions of unique marketing demographics, thanks to all the new technology, that there's now a marketing demographic of one, which is Laura Stewart. And the better they understand you, anyone who has used Facebook has had one of those creepy moments where, oh, 
how did they know that? Or I was just thinking that. Well, you weren't actually just thinking that. Your behavior online told them what you were interested in, and they're now serving up content to meet that need. And it's not just things that I might have clicked on in Facebook. I, I've noticed several times it was something I might have been Googling to consider yes. purchasing something. All of a sudden, an ad will pop up on Facebook for that. Well, let me ask the very rude question, and I know the answer, but I have to ask it anyway. To your listeners who use Facebook, when was the last time, if ever, you read the terms and conditions? You actually read the privacy agreement to understand what you were allowing, by clicking that little checkbox, what you were allowing Facebook to do. I can say for myself, it's been a couple of years since I, since I read it. But I'm, I'm unusual in that I actually read it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you are unusual. Most people do not. So if there, it all starts with you agreed to this, and I'm trying to say that in as pleasant a way as I can, you have agreed to something. Most of us have not thoroughly read it or, to be fair, understood it, even if we have. So I'd like to start off with sharing a tool with people. It's called PRIBOT.org. It is a free tool. It is an artificial intelligence tool, and what it does is it helps you to understand privacy agreements. It helps you to understand these terms and conditions by breaking them down into language the rest of us can understand, and it doesn't just work for Facebook. It works for anything that people want you to sign online with the TNC. But at the end of the day, if you decide, well, I don't like this, your only option is, okay, I can't use Facebook, I can't use Twitter, I can't use WhatsApp. That's correct. You, ha you can't go, oh, well, if you take this line and They're out. not going to negotiate with you and say, oh, for you, Laura, we'll, we'll do this. But it does give you the option, and this is Facebook as well as the other sites, that if you feel, uh, I have to use this tool for my business, I, I can't really conduct business or generate leads without it, it is worthwhile then to go into the privacy settings, and they all have them, and to go through one by one and to customize them, to optimize them for what you are comfortable or not comfortable with, because they do allow that. Are there certain things that you highly recommend somebody go in and, and lock off? It's very personal. Uh, what's right for one person is different for another, so it's kind of like telling someone they should like or not like broccoli. Uh, you really can't answer that question for other people, but I, I can share. Okay, I had broccoli for people, dinner last night. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and someone who doesn't like broccoli, uh, there's going to be no convincing them that they should. Right. There are people who lock it up tight, that if there is a restriction, if there is a permission, they withdraw it all. So they keep it locked up tighter than a drum, and that works for them. There are others that say, hey, I want the full experience. I want to benefit from Facebook's algorithms. And often this is an age demographic issue. We find that the younger the person, the less concerned they are about privacy and sharing things online. That's not a surprise to you, I'm sure. So it really depends on the person. My push, my recommendation is to take those few minutes to read through the options and to consciously choose what you feel comfortable with. Okay. And I know for me recently, I switched 
just because of everything that's happening, all my Facebook posts used to be public. It -hmm. just used to go out to everywhere. And I just switched it over to uh, friends for, Mm -hmm. for the moment because I started noticing that I'm getting a lot of requests from people that are very sketchy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind that of are not valid business contacts. Yes. Y- yeah, and they the pictures don't match the names. There's nothing in their profile. I mean, I had I had a request for a friend request from somebody that, and Facebook didn't even exist back then. It said that um, there was a f- they last post that they had put was from 1972. Mm. Yeah, probably not someone you want to connect with. No, but no. I equate not... it to junk mail. Mm-hmm. I, I open my mailbox every day, and there's all sorts of junk mail, unsolicited. Someone has sold my name. I've gotten on a list somewhere. And I get all sorts of paper mail offers. I throw them away. I, I don't have to open them. I don't have to read them. They don't even have to make it up the stairs. They simply get recycled right then and there. Unfortunately, our online experience, whether it's email or social media, we now have just as much, if not more so, we have the same amount of junk mail. But yet, here's what I've noticed and and response I get from my listeners. They don't look at these things as junk mail in Facebook. They're like, oh, somebody wants to be friends with me. I have to click. Or somebody sent me a message in Messenger. Oh, let me click on that link that a supposed friend sent me. Yeah, not not good. I'm trying to think of how, what are the strongest ways I can tell people do not accept candy from strangers. You know, all of our parents told us talking to strangers is not always a good thing. In this case, if you don't recognize the person, ignore them. And even if you do recognize the person, because people do get hacked, be very, very cautious. Uh, Clicking on things when you don't know what they are or who they're from, never, never, never. And and I admit it's gotten into real life as well that when I get phone calls from phone numbers I don't recognize, I don't answer them. I don't interrupt my life to answer the phone if it's a number that I don't know. Which, unfortunately, for in business, that can mean that there's a delay in talking to somebody that's legitimate business. But it, yes. it's, it's a fact of life now that we have to actually think about whose phone calls we answer. I, a couple months ago, I answered a phone call. Something made me answer it probably because it was a 212 area code. Mm-hmm. And, and I debated it. Which can be spoofed, obviously. Totally. And I, I debated it, but I ended up answering it. It turned out to be Random House asking me to interview Debbie Maycomber at her fan event. But okay. it just as easily could have been, you know, somebody trash. trying to get trash. And, and on that note, we're going to talk about Do Not Accept Candy from Strangers. We'll be back with more from Ken Heron. Okay, Ken, so we left off saying Do Not Accept Candy from Strangers, talking about all of these messages that come in on Facebook Messenger, that pop up on your feed in, in Facebook. What are some other things that we need to be thinking around um, social networks, privacy, the Internet of Things? I know, it's so big. (laughs) It is, it is. And there's so many different devices that are out there. Uh, Many people are buying smart devices for their homes. And and define 
define a smart device? Yes, uh, I'll, I'll try to use English. So we've heard, many of us have heard the term the Internet of Things or IoT. What that means is that a powered product could be a light, could be your oven, could be a thermostat, is now connected to the Internet. When a product, when an appliance or a device is connected to the Internet, you now have the ability to talk to it. And this is what my company does. We create software that allows people to talk to their products without a mobile app or without an Amazon Echo. You just speak directly to it. So when the product is connected, you now have the ability to control it. You can tell it to turn on, to turn off. You can control its settings. So if it's a fan that is now smart, that is now connected, you can turn it on and set the speed to high, medium, or low. You can also have the device talk to you to give an alert. So one example of this, you've seen the Roomba vacuum cleaner, you know, the little automated vacuum cleaner that will go and go through your, your home when you're not there or when you are there. Well, they tend to get stuck every so often. Uh, I've rescued mine from stairs multiple times. So it can now let you know, hey, Ken, I'm stuck again. You know, come save me. Come flip me over. <laughs> So Does it tell you a, when there's a, a cat riding on it, too? Because I've seen that video of the cat riding on top of the Roomba. It, it does not tell me when someone is sitting on it, but it would not surprise me. The state of the art, uh, when I went to the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas this year in January, what products can now do, because last year the, the thing, the big trend, was that products were smart. They were connected to the Internet. This year the products were intelligent which means they had artificial intelligence, so they can tell things that you're sitting here, oh, gee, this is as close to science fiction as I thought we would get. So to your point of is it a cat or a small dog sitting on the, the vacuum cleaner, there are now cameras that can tell when someone enters the room, when someone leaves the room, how many people are in the room, and even what they're doing in the room. So we work with airports, and these use these cameras to look at crowds and find the one person who is acting oddly in a group of people at an airport. So that's the artificial intelligence, and then the connectedness that allows the camera to actually send you a message saying, hey, I'm looking at this person, Laura, and she's not acting well. You may want to go check her out and see what she's up to. But that opens up so many questions of privacy. You know, you don't sign an agreement when you walk into an airport or um, a restaurant or a, another location. I mean, somebody just found a hidden camera in a Starbucks bathroom. Mm -hmm. So how do you deal and in with public that? places, we are all being filmed. Uh, the new iPhone, the iPhone 10, we were all excited because it had facial recognition. That was a reminder, or should have been a reminder to many of us, that if my phone can do it, that means all cameras can now do this. And whether it's run by a government or run by a commercial enterprise, they want to know who is there. If you have done any reading about what China is doing, they are one of the leaders with deploying facial recognition in public spaces so they know who is doing what where at all times which admittedly we are much less comfortable with here in the U.S. because we're not quite as used to that. We're used to having a little bit more privacy and a little bit more freedom of movement. So how do you reconcile that with 
the you know the whole privacy issue yes we can choose not to use facebook right we can choose to keep our our lives private by not doing certain things on the internet but yet you can't prevent big brother which leads to big brother bad people watching you know the Mm -hmm. hackers that are Mm -hmm. watching that so how does somebody start thinking about this and protecting themselves I'm a fan of understanding what the technology does. Uh, I try to always see the good that it can do rather than automatically jump to the bad when you have bad actors that are using it for evil purposes. People have always misused technology, so the better you can understand what it does, the better able you are able to make decisions for how you want to deal with it. But your question is valid that if I'm now filmed every time I go into an airport for my security and other security, if I don't want to be filmed, if I'm a a gangster or or just someone who is a private person, maybe I spend less time in airports or I wear a hat and sunglasses and the funny nose so um, my whereabouts cannot be as easily tracked. And then that would trigger, especially in China or the other things that you talked about people are putting together, that person's acting a little oddly. Go check them out. <laughs> yes, yes. And sometimes it, it sounds odd, but the best way to be invisible and not be sought out is to simply blend into the crowd. All right. So that's something we can't control. We, we can't control the public place thing. And I would push back a little bit on that. We can't control how people are using technology, uh, especially when it's moving faster than we may individually be comfortable with. But we can control our understanding of it. We can control how we choose to react to it. It's a good example. It's pouring rain. Okay, I can't control the rain, but I can be aware that it's there, and I can prepare myself accordingly to deal with it, that if I'm going to go out, I'm going to get wet, or if I step into an airport in most countries, I'm going to be filmed. Like it or not, there, there's no one that asked me my permission to do so. Okay, that, that makes total sense. I, I'll never forget. It can be very empowering. Uh, there's a wonderful German expression. We do a lot of business in Germany, and there's a wonderful German expression that there is no bad weather. There is just bad clothing. The idea that it's never too cold, it's never too hot, you're just not dressed for the weather. Oh, so I like that. If you understand what's happening with privacy, no, you're probably not going to change the fact that you're filmed in a public space, but being aware of it can help you to figure out how you choose to deal with it. Okay. I just find it a much more empowering rather than, okay, I'm the victim and things are happening I don't like. Well, the more you understand them, the more you can be an advocate both for yourself and for others. I I love that. And that's some of the things we talked about just before the first commercial break, which was some things you can do around Facebook with this PriBot, P-R-I-B-O-T dot org. Is that the site you had mentioned? Yes, yes. And that's a, a very clever little free tool that I've used on a number of sites, not just Facebook, that helps you to understand what the privacy policy is really saying, what it says, what it doesn't. It it puts it into very simple English because it's fair to say many of these privacy policies have been written in legal language rather than 
making sure that everyone, whether you're technical or not, whether you have a legal background or not, can understand what it really means. And then are there other apps and things that you can install that sits on top of things that actually helps protect you a little bit more if you want to use something, but you're a little leery of yeah, things? There, there are a number of those. I keep coming back to that if you don't want to get wet, don't go out in the rain. That if you're really that concerned or if you read through, you understand, and you don't like what Facebook or any other site is doing, and you've gone through the settings and they're just not working for you, then maybe it's time to say that's not something you choose to participate in. Maybe it's time to say Alvi <laughs> trying to keep with the well, German there theme. Are alternatives. Okay. And I realize Facebook has a very important part in many people's lives and many people's businesses. And we're going to hold that thought. What? You can finish that thought when we come back from the national news. We'll be right back with more from Ken Heron. Welcome back, everyone. If you're just joining us in the second half of the show, I am here with my good friend and brilliant, brilliant man, Ken Heron, the chief marketing officer for Unified Inbox, uh, number two chief marketing officer globally on Twitter. He is a top-ranked global IoT and AI leader and a 30 most creative corporate leaders to watch. But beyond that, this guy is totally brilliant when it comes to the Internet things and AI and what you need to be thinking about. And Ken, before the national news break, we were talking about the whole idea of what what do you touch? What don't you touch? And I, I'd like to jump into this whole connected home conversation. You alluded to it in the first half of the show. You talked about how Unified Inbox, the company that you're you're with, it they talk directly to the connected devices like your TVs, your thermostats, your your phones, whatever your refrigerator, versus using an Alexa or an Amazon Echo or something like that to connect. What is the difference, and why would somebody want to do that? The very simple benefit is that we get tired of all the new apps. And it's not just the nuisance to find it, to download it, and to upload it. But I'll speak for myself. Each app works differently. So I'll give a very real-life example. I just bought a new refrigerator, a new oven, a new dishwasher, all made by the same manufacturer, which is unusual. And guess what? Each one has a different app. It works differently. It does different things. All I want to do is turn on the dishwasher. All I want to do is know when the dishwasher has finished or if it's out of soap or detergent or, or something else, I no longer need an app to do that. And again, full disclosure, I'm the marketing guy. Of course, I'm going to, to tout our own solution, but it really is a breakthrough in the industry that I don't need a mobile app. I don't need to buy an Amazon Echo or Google Home or you know whatever next device will be coming down the road. I can simply talk in natural language, no commands to memorize, I can simply talk to my devices just as I talk to you by putting a smart contact in my phone. So if I look at Laura's phone, I see all of these people she knows, and I see all of the different ways that she can talk to them. She can text them, she can WhatsApp them, she can Facebook messenger them. It's no different from my smart home. When you look at my phone, you scroll through and you have Ken's house. And it's one entry, 
and I can text it, I can WhatsApp it, and Viber it, you know, take your pick, I can even Twitter direct message it, and that allows me to talk to my different devices and for them to talk back to me. And give a real-life example, I'm in the supermarket, I did not make a list, I was in a rush, I was in a hurry, I can have the refrigerator send me what I call a shelfie. It can actually send me a photo of the inside of the refrigerator, both the inside and the door, right there in the supermarket over WhatsApp. So I don't have to find and open a separate app. I can just talk to it, whether it's by voice or if I don't want to be you know, accused of being a crazy person in the supermarket at Publix, I can just text it. And that's providing you have the refrigerator that has the camera inside or the ability to see what's going on. A couple of things. The device, the product, the refrigerator has to be connected to the Internet, and it has to have whatever function it is you want to do. Many of them, uh, and here in Florida, this is a godsend, that I can now tell if any of my devices have lost power because it's constantly checking. And you might say, well, Ken, it's, it's unplugged. There's going to be no power for your refrigerator to talk to you. Well, it's constantly checking, and if there's an issue and it stops, it automatically sends a message saying, hey, Ken, check the fridge. It looks like it's out of power because we do occasionally lose power, whether it's through a hurricane or just a random Tuesday thunderstorm. Right. I do know that during Hurricane Irma last year, I knew the moment the power went out at my house because I got an email that said the cameras I had had been disconnected. Yes. yes. The moment they're disconnected, you're informed. And that can be very useful because uh, let's say you're at work or you're off doing the shopping and the power's out for an hour. That may determine what you throw away in your fridge, but there are times when you come home from work and, okay, everything's on, that if you don't notice a clock is flashing somewhere, you wouldn't have no way of knowing how that the power was out or how long the power was out. So that can become a food safety issue. That's a, that's a really good point. Now, if we take it a step further from this whole connected home concept, the Amazon Echo, the Google Home devices have become ubiquitous. I've always loved that word. <laughs> have, mm-hmm. You know, they're mm-hmm. just there. Everybody's buying them. But I don't think people really understand, going back to like an earlier conversation, yeah. actually, yeah. what we've given them the ability to do and what other people can determine based on that. Can you discuss that a bit? What's yeah, really going uh, on with those devices? 24-7. We know that, and this is not about conspiracy theory. This is just about what it can collect, and people who are fine with it, great. There are other people who aren't so fine with it. So it is listening to everything. Uh, That includes minor children. That includes if you're having a fight with someone, if you're having, you know, romantic time with your partner. It's listening to everything. It's also listening to the background. So everything you plant, mine happens to be, I do happen to have one. It's sitting right next to the TV. So it knows everything I watch on TV. It hears all music. It hears all movies. That's marketer's gold, but I may or may not want that level of detail shared with Amazon because we know Amazon uses that wonderful level of detail to sell me things. So is there any way to to sort of lock that down? Most people don't even know you can do anything on an Amazon Echo other than turn it on. You can mute it, but that really destroys the capability of it, that it's always there and always convenient. Uh, Like Facebook, 
to be fair, that if you're going to have any type of smart speaker, any type of virtual assistant like that, you make the trade-offs and realize, okay, I'm going to give up some privacy in order for the benefits of having this new tool. Because if you disable it by muting it, you really hurt your ability to benefit from having that always-on capability. So there's no settings? I don't have an Amazon Echo. You know, I... I still stuck in my tech geek days where I implemented security for companies. Mm-hmm. I can't bring myself to put one in my house. I have a hard enough time using Siri sometimes, but when I'm in the car and driving and I need to call somebody or, yeah. or do certain things, I, I use Siri. I, I don't even know how to phrase the question. <laughs> because when you use Siri, it records and captures everything. Apple knows all of that. People who are not comfortable with that from a privacy perspective choose not to use Siri. Uh, People who don't care or don't think it's an issue, they happily use Siri. Same with whether it's an Amazon Echo or a Google Home. At the end of the day, it boils down to really understanding what privacy you are giving away by using something that makes your life more convenient. And if you're okay with that trade-off. If you're okay with that, there's no issue, except for the occasional hacks. Anyone who has information, now this information can be, you know, stolen or or used for bad purpose. But most of us, hey, we like all the benefits of Siri and our Amazon Echo, but my, you know, action item, you know, Ken's homework from the Laura Stewart Show today is to take those few minutes to understand what the terms and conditions are, what the device is doing, so that you're doing it with free will, and it's not just happening out of, oh, I didn't know that. That's when I feel bad, when people don't know what they're giving up or don't know the trade to get the benefits from these new technologies. I recently wrote an article for the Vero's Voice magazine about how you use some of these social media and devices, and I recommended to people, and I'd love your thought on this, I recommended to people that they get a separate email address to register all these devices that isn't the one they use for financial transactions that they use for anything really personal and that they don't have to, and they should use a completely separate password. And also that they don't use the same security questions. If they ask for mother's maiden name, make up a maiden name. It doesn't have to be the legitimate one. You don't have to answer real answers. Okay. And, You don't have to use your real birthday. And I heard a couple things there, and I agree with them all. Uh, Using a different email for these devices than you use for everyday life, absolutely. Uh, Making sure that you use different passwords, real different passwords for all of these devices, absolutely. And for the security questions, using different answers for each device. And none of them have to be real. My father has never used his correct birth date whenever he is put in for anything. Now, you could argue that's part of his way of just being grumpy and cranky and (laughs) giving back to the man. But guess what? He is more secure because of that than those of us who, again, we get busy and we've got hundreds and hundreds, it seems, of all these different accounts that if we're using the same password, if we're using the same security information, we are really putting ourselves at greater risk than we need. So I think your ideas are spot on and not that cumbersome for most people. 
I think the hardest. And who wouldn't want to be younger? Why? <laughs> you know, give yourself ten years or fifteen years. Or if you always it wished your anything. Or if you always wish your birthday wasn't on Christmas or a holiday, you can you can make it whenever you want for the purposes of your online profile. But keeping exactly. in mind that fraud is not allowed so that if you're on a dating site, if you're on a financial site or something like that, or a government site, you, you can't do then that. Then there's a requirement, yes. Yeah. But you can still give different security questions. So, okay, and you're good to catch this. Yes, there are some sites you have to give your true birth date, but that does not mean you cannot make up mom's maiden name. Or the name of your favorite pet or or something else. Mix it up. The first time I ever, quote unquote, lied on one of those security answers, it was so hard because, you know, I... We're not used to that. Right. Integrity is such a part of who I am. And you just have to remember, well, this is a different use of it. You know, this is not real life. This is, oh, um, my my thermostat. (laughs) And it was different when we only had one or two accounts. It right. was not that long ago when most of us had, at most, half a dozen accounts. Now, I don't think there's a listener out there that cannot very quickly name off 10 or 20 different accounts that they have. Easily. Between emails and devices and companies. Everybody wants you to sign up. Everybody has a login and password. It can be in the hundreds very easily. So during this commercial break, I'd like everybody to think about how many accounts you have and where can you go and change some things. We'll be right back for more with Ken Heron. Ken, I recently read that the founder of WhatsApp, the CEO, has resigned and he's leaving mm-hmm. Facebook over the stuff that's been happening and going on, and, and which was kind of a shock to the business world because... If nothing else, the Facebook board and everybody involved has really entrenched. What's your thoughts on the fact that this man is is leaving because he founded a company that had some pretty high security and people are using chatbots and things like this left and right? There's been an awful lot written about his departure. Uh, To be fair, as someone who has worked for a number of tech companies, uh, that might have been a trigger or that might have been the straw as it were, that broke the camel's back. But as a gentleman who had received, you know, very generous compensation over the past several years, uh, my guess is that that was convenient timing for him as opposed to be read as that was the only issue and, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, it's, it's falling apart. You know, all businesses go through substantial changes and not everyone, you know, at some point you say, okay, I've been swimming in the ocean for, Five years now, you know, it's time to get dried off and and do something else. So I didn't read quite that much into it other than there's an extreme sensitivity at the moment because of what Facebook has been going through. And uh, I read all these different pundits and analysts, and of course I've written about it myself. And I think it's fair to say that Facebook, despite Zuckerberg being in front of Congress, it does not feel like Facebook is going to change much, if at all. That they're saying some nice things, they have apologized, but I, I'm not seeing anyone believing that Facebook is going to do a 180 or change their business model. Do you think that the new legislation that's going into effect out of Germany and the European Union, the GDPR, is going to have any effect 
on new things going forward and existing stuff, and we may have to explain a little bit about what that means to Right. People. The GDPR, it's the General Data Protection Regulation. It has come out of Europe, Germany specifically, and that is requiring companies to better protect their users' data. Uh, as someone who is in the white-hot heat of making this happen for their company, I can say that the larger companies will be advantaged by going through this because they have the resources, the lawyers, the, the physical people to care for what needs to be done. The smaller companies, many of them will struggle a bit because this is just one more thing they have to do regulation-wise in order to stay in business. Uh, and if not, there are some pretty substantial fines and penalties that they will need to face. But your question, how will this impact, uh, it, will, it has the potential to improve things for users. For companies that have been a little sloppy or have gotten a little careless, this will now force them to have processes in place that will better care for their users' data. What I find fascinating about it is it feels like a throwback to the days and time where everything wasn't as connected. Mm. And, and I struggle with how you can prevent lawsuits from happening that really have no basis in reality against businesses that are doing their best to protect people while running their business. And, and also, if it's even something that can be done, I'm, I'm not really sure it can actually be implemented. It's like uh, closing the door after the, the horse gets out or whatever that phrase is. I can't think of the, the, the phrasing. Right. The way it's been written, it's not going to punish people for trying. It's going to encourage people to be aware of data protection much more so than many have and to make a best faith effort to be compliant. Okay. I think that's an important distinction. And right now it only fits for if you're doing business with somebody in Europe. Correct? It's a little broader than that. But if you have no, if your company is not based in Europe, if you are not doing business with anyone who happens to be in Europe, this is something to be aware of because it can benefit you and give you a strategic advantage, but not something that you are legally required to care for at this point in time. The larger issue, though, Laura, is not about this one regulation coming out of Europe, but it's what are you doing if you run your own business? What are you doing to protect your user's, user's data? Because just because, let's look at the whole Facebook bit. We believe that there will be some kind of regulation coming out of the problems Facebook has had. That's not just going to be applied to Facebook. That's going to be applied to everyone. So whether it's this particular set of regulations or it's going to be some future set of regulations, it's never a bad idea to kind of say, hey, how do we care for our users' data, and are we in line with best practices? And if somebody, to the extent we can for the size of your business. I have a number of listeners that are beginning to start businesses as well. 
it's a great format, a great outline for the things that you should be considering starting your business yeah, doing. Yeah, it actually makes it much easier because so many of these questions have been answered for us. Yeah, I, I love that. We're coming towards the end of the show. We only have like three, four minutes left, and I've gotten some emails and stuff. People want to make sure they know how to find out more about you. I know you have a, a podcast uh, where you're constantly talking about these things and you're always out on, on social media talking about these things. So how do people find you and your last thought you want to make sure everybody leaves today thinking about? Best way for people to connect with me is on Twitter, at sign Ken Heron, K-E-N-H-E-R-R-O-N. And closing thoughts, it's okay to be a little bit of a geek, that if you're curious about these things, learn about them because the more you learn, the more comfortable you will be and that gives you it empowers you to make the decisions that are best for you personally and for your business. Right. You being who you are with so much social media, do you ever feel like you need a digital detox? It would be like saying, I don't need air today. I don't need to breathe today. <laughs> it's simply become part and parcel of what we do that in order to be a modern business person in 2018, you need to have an online presence, and you care for that no differently than, I have to brush my teeth today. Okay, how do I share with my respective audiences today? Yeah, because that's who, that's who I know you to be. Is I can't imagine you ever being away from from some sort of device to do something. But yet it's you the new normal. It would be very hard not to be connected, not to have connectivity, both from a business and from a personal sense. I wake up every morning, I want to know the news, I want to know the weather. If I had to wait for a physical newspaper, it would drive me nuts. Is there a, a place that people can begin to understand these things more? I know we talked about prybot.org, but to Unified Inbox, I know that there's some really cool things that you guys are doing there, and, and you tweet about them a lot at Ken Heron, but some resources that they can constantly go back to to help them with the questions we've posed today. There are some excellent writers for Wired Magazine. So if that's not a, a website people follow or a blog that they follow, uh, even the, the mainstream publications, The New Yorker, you know, this has become mainstream. This used to be just for the, the geeks and the tech folks, and it really has become part and parcel of all of our lives as business people and as humans. That's great. I, I actually love both of those publications to do a lot of research and stuff like that. I always forget about Wired, which is funny considering I'm a geek, but I love it. And They have great writers. They, they really do, and they say journalism is dead, but it's not. It's just changed. <laughs> you know, the newspapers are still there. They're just online more than the physical paper part. So, Ken, I really want to thank you so much for being here with me today and sharing some amazing stuff with us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's, it's always a pleasure because I always learn stuff. You should see all the notes I took today. <laughs> and um, I, I know that Mr. B in the booth here, he's already asked about prybot.org, and I think he's already gone there at least once. He's shaking his head yes because he's going to start doing some research on that. So we have so much great stuff to do, and I love the quote, there is no bad weather, just bad clothing, and we need to think about that when we're out there on the web, everybody. So remember, the right questions can change your life. What are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone. Keep smiling. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.